0: Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services Sundays at nine am, 10 thirty a m and 6 thirty pm. If you would open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter three, we will be continuing our series. If you don't don't have a Bible uh, or didn't bring one, there's one in a chair in front of you. I know that a lot of people like to read their Bible on their phone, so, If you don't have a Bible or a phone with it, you can grab your neighbor's phone if you'd like and just take it home. And it would be, probably wouldn't go well for you, but that's okay. So in our series, looking at what we believe. So we started a series, What Do We Believe? And we have several new people, we have people that haven't been here, maybe people that have come from other different denominations, and they've had lots of questions, and what do we believe about this, what do we believe about that? But we're taking a a big survey, and just very general, 10,000, 30,000 foot level, and just looking at what we believe. And so we started with the Bible, what do we believe about our source of revelation? In other words, how does God speak? If we want to study God, then let's let God speak. So how does he speak? And we talked about how God speaks in two ways. He speaks in a natural way, which is you can look at the stars and you can look at the the microscope and you can see, man, God is incredible. But you also, that's not enough information. We need more information. And so God gives not just natural revelation, but he gives special. And this special or supernatural revelation comes in the form of scripture. And you say, what about experience? You know, I had this experience or that experience. Experience can be authoritative, but it's unbelievably subjective. All kinds of people have all kinds of experiences. The Bible even warns, be careful that you're not following an angel of light. So an angel that can appear to be right is actually wrong and is actually demonic. In fact, many of the cults you hear They were at their desk, and then something appeared to them and says, I will teach you what I've taught no man since the very first century. Just teach this. And this individual starts a whole new movement. And you're like, that's wacko. I'm like, yeah, it is. But the Bible, every word is inspired by God, infallible, inerrant, is God-breathed, and it is the very source of revelation. So that's what we looked at first. Then we looked at God himself. And talked about God as creator and all of his characteristics. And then we went on to the Father specifically and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the triunity of God as it's described. And then we looked at man. Who are we? And incredibly made. We are made in the image of God. And you and I share very characteristics of God. We have the image, the imago Dei within inside of us, which makes us unique from all the creation. You, my friend, are special. You've probably heard that before, but you really are. You are made in the image of God. Now, you don't have the very characteristics of God as far as being omniscient, knowing everything. I know some of you are disappointed to hear that, but you don't know everything. And you may think you know what other people are thinking, but you don't. Trust me, you don't. Um, You're not everywhere at once. I mean, there's certain characteristics, all the omni, omnipresence, omniscience, all of this, you're not that. But what we are is we are just. We can be just people. That's the image of God. We can be loving So God shares some of His characteristics with us. Others, He doesn't. But those that He shares with us are incredible. I mean, try this one. Love. Wow. Love. Love is fantastic. And when you show love and you've experienced love, there's nothing like it. And love was transformative. So so today, also, we looked at, when we're talking about man, we talked about how man was cursed. God cursed man. Why? Because the Bible in Genesis, God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in the garden. You can have all you want. Just don't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you do, you will die. And guess what? Before that apple hit the ground, bam, they were what? Dead spiritually. So we have a major problem, horrible problem that we have and that is the sinfulness and the curse of man. Now, we talked a little bit about that last week and how we not only are we under a curse, but we have a curse within us. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. We looked last week that Paul said uh, this, this statement is worthy of full acceptations that Jesus came into the world to die for sinners of which I am primo. That's really what he says. I'm the most. I'm the I'm the chief. And so we all, we're not as bad as we could be. Trust me, we can all be worse, right? Well, yeah, we can. And we try to restrain, but bottom line inside of us is sin that's working. And it's, a, it's by nature. It's also called the flesh that's inside of us. And it's bad. And as we have studied this, we have seen that there are consequences to sin. There's consequences. Now, understand this. There are certain consequences that happen immediately. So if you have a mousetrap, say there's a mousetrap right here, and there was cheese on it, and I said, look, I'm really quick, and you say, go for it, and I'm like, guess what? I'm not that quick. Bam! That's an immediate consequence, right? Because I'm not that quick as far as speed goes. <laughs> I can't get the cheese. But what about if, if you didn't have any feeling in your hands? Just imagine. So God gave you nerves in your hands as a blessing so that we could feel. And imagine if you didn't have any feeling in your hands and you were in the kitchen, you just leaned up against the stove that was on, and the burners were going. And your hand would melt, and you wouldn't even know it. And then maybe five minutes later, feeling kicks in, and you're like, ow, ow, that hurts. And it would, it would do a lot of damage. And so there is something about an immediate consequence that helps us. But here's the thing. Being a sinner and someone who sins, and I don't feel the consequence immediately, at least not the striking consequence and and it would be easier that if i if i if i thought a bad thought all of a sudden i got knocked upside the head and i'm by god and i'm saying okay i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that but oftentimes what happens is we will sin like we'll jump over the line and then we'll jump back and we'll say nothing happened i guess it's okay and then you stay here and then you walk around and then you go back And then it's, and you're okay. And the next thing you know, you're over here and you're just dancing and you're inviting people to come over, but you don't know that consequence is coming. So, why is there that separation between the act and the judgment? Because God is waiting for people to come under salvation. People, God is waiting for people to come to Him to be redeemed. That if there was an immediate consequence of, of sin, then no one would have a chance. And the plan of salvation would be null. It would be unuseful to you and to me. But the reason there's a separation between the act and our who we are as, as humans, and the consequence is God is wooing and waiting for all to come to repentance. And so that's what this passage is all about. Let me read you a passage just to get us in perspective. So, when we talk about what we believe about salvation, we must be very clear why you need salvation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13, 15 says this. Then the sea gave up its dead and death and Hades gave up their dead. All were judged according to the works. So that's in the future. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a perfect tense. This will happen. Prophetic perfect. In the future, it's done. So this is happening. Then verse 14 says, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So you think death is bad? You think hell is bad? Just wait for the lake of fire. Cheer up, it gets worse. So he says, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And And then here it is, listen. And then anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So the reality is this, is that there is a judgment that is coming. Even though judgment isn't immediate, it is coming, and it will be severe. And it, it is very, very intense, so to say. You say, Brother Mac, I didn't come to hear a message like this. Well, God brought you here for this. Just, let's just be blunt. Let's just let's just where we are, and out of Providence, you happen to show up on this day, and then we're talking about this right now, and you say, I don't want to hear bad news. Well, let me tell you, uh, it's actually good news. So I've got, got a daughter-in-law, and I have two daughter-in-laws. And so there's one who I, I, I did the wedding. This was 10 years ago, I guess. And did the wedding, and I said, hey, you can kiss the bride. And, man, they go off on a honeymoon, and they're flying on an airplane, and she just passes out. Carrie Roller just passes out. And then she comes to and said, man, I'm not feeling good. Something in my head, and no, I'm just not doing good. They land, uh, they see a little clinic. They put her on antihistamine. They said, you just got sinus infection and stuff like that. And, and then come back to the States. The doctor said the same thing. You just got pressure built up. And she's like, well, oh, this is not fine. And it just went on and on and on and on. and could get relief. Finally, someone said, you ought to see a neurologist. So she goes to a neurologist. And the neurologist says this, oh, you don't have sinus problems. You don't have equalization problems. You've got a brain problem. And my son says, I knew she had a brain. No, that's not really. <laughs> you got a, You got pro- So actually what it was, it was she, she had a pressure in her head and they performed a, a surgery, a brain surgery called Arnold Keary malformation is what she had. And so they go in and they do a partial lamectomy and they, they relieve the pressure and everything was good. Now, let me ask you this, which was the easiest news to hear? You have a sinus infection or you have brain damage? was easy i mean which one would you want to hear i'll take the pill that's 995 i'll take that every day you know the whole bottle for 995 i'll just take a little antihistamine i'll be good but it didn't do anything but the guy who was the bearer of quote bad news is the one who changed her life and so here's the news you and i got a problem and you need to admit it we're not okay i'm not okay this isn't okay And God says, listen, there is a judgment that is coming and I'm waiting. I'm holding back my judgment, waiting for people to come to Christ. And so here we are in John chapter three, turn there with me, John chapter three, verse one. And here is this incredible, beautiful plan of salvation. And then we're going to talk about Nicodemus, the kind of man that he is. And then we're going to see the necessity of this plan of salvation. In other words, you must be born again. Then we're going to talk about the reason you must be born again. And then we're going to talk about the means by which you can be born again. So here it is. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night. So he was Nick at night, right? So he was a rabbi and, and he was a ruler. So he says this to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for one could not perform these signs that you do unless God were with him. So this is a crazy scene. It's a very dramatic scene. You've got a very religious man. He went to church probably his whole life. He was a man that was known as a Pharisee, which means he studied scriptures like crazy, probably had most of the Old Testament memorized at least the Torah. This guy was no joke. He was serious about religion. The Pharise- he was very devout. He spent years in study, he memorized the Mosaic Law. He was a ruler of the Jews. He held positions of authority. He decided in people's spiritual life, condemned them or release them. He was a high, prolific religious man, but he wasn't saved from the judgment. He wasn't born again. Here was a man that was purely on his way to judgment and hell. In fact, what we learn from this is that all the religions of the world, let's say you adopt all of them and you keep them, you still are in big trouble. It still doesn't save you. Coming to church doesn't save you. Getting baptized doesn't save you. Giving money doesn't save you. Obeying the Ten Commandments doesn't save you. Having a very nice business, having an incredible family doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Having lots of money, giving all your money away doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And here, this guy was a religious man. He needed something that Jesus is about to tell him. He also was a restless man. I mean, think about it. Okay, Jesus is, is very attractive to us, and he's very famous to us, and he, he is, uh, he's greatly admired to us, but back then he wasn't admired at all. He was the guy that was starting a coup that was going to get them in big trouble, and, and the religious people wanted him dead. And so here you got the, a ruler of the Jews, a real religious man, and he's coming to see him. I mean, it, it would be like, uh, I mean, this would be a crazy thought. I don't know why you would do this. It'd be like the coach from Oklahoma going to the coach of the Longhorns and saying, hey, I don't got anything. What do you got? I mean, that would never happen. But you get the idea. That's just crazy. Crazy. So Nicodemus is showing up, and he's coming to Jesus, the guy that they didn't admire, but he wants something else. He was restless on the inside. You know why? Because religion doesn't satisfy. You say, Brother Mack, I thought you were a religious man. I don't know if you can say that like this. I'm a relationship guy. I want to have a relationship with God, and I want to help other people have a relationship with God. Not so much uh, just by... Obey a bunch of religious rules. So he was restless on the inside. How about you? Are you restless? How's life going for you? How are relationships? How about when you close your eyes and you lay your head down at night? What are you thinking about? I guarantee you, there's people in this room that are just, man, they don't want to die. Don't want to die. They're afraid what's going to happen next. They look at all the chaos that's going on in the world and in their own heart, and you may be restless this morning. Also, he was very reluctant; he's hesitant. You know that it, what? That there's a problem. That when you're right in front of the truth and you're still reluctant, there's a problem. Nicodemus is a guy like this. I mean, he he had heard the teachings of Jesus before. He just he just wanted to know that he was okay. In all of his Judaism, and all of his synagogueism, he wanted to know he was okay, and he's coming up to Jesus at night when nobody else can see, just wanting some kind of relief, but actually he was very reluctant to what he was saying. It reminds me of the story of King Agrippa in the book of Acts. Paul is in front of King Agrippa, and King, and King Agrippa is saying, listen, I have the power to chop your head off, Paul. What do you have to say? And Paul shares the gospel to him, the good news, the plan of salvation. And King Agrippa's like this, he's going, man, that's pretty awesome. That, my friend, is incredible. That's what Agrippa's saying. And then he says this, nah, Paul, I quote, you almost persuaded me to become like you. But no. Are you reluctant? Are you hesitant? You you may be thinking, "I, I wonder... I wonder uh, if God would, if I gave him my life, he would then ask me to be a nun. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Or he'd ask me to go to Africa and build wells. I don't want to do that. And you're just reluctant. You're you're worried about the other side instead of thinking of Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 through 15. And this incredible plan of salvation. Let Let me just put your mind at ease right now for those that are reluctant. Listen to me. The one, the holy one who did not spare his own son, but massacred him on the cross who loves you. Do you think for a moment that he's going to punish you after he punished his own son? Do you think one who loves you that much would call you into something that would make you go sideways, sideways or hurt you? Listen, he loves you. Why not give him your life, the one who loves you the most? But then look, look at this conversation that goes on. Jesus may says it this way, so Nicodemus is there, man, I know you're from God. I know you're doing some incredible things. And then Jesus just interrupts him as if to say, he interrupts him and he says this, look at verse three. I assure you, in the King James, it says, verily, verily, you know, you know what I mean? Verily, verily, we don't say that anymore. It's like, here's what we do. It's like, check this out, bro. That's what we say. And it just means, listen, listen to me. Check this out. I'm serious. And he says this, I assure you, Have you ever heard heard God say that to you? I assure you, I, I put my name on this. I don't back down from this. This is exactly the truth. I promise you, I assure you, listen up. And then he says this. Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He just throws down right there. He draws a line in the sand. This is it, Nick. This is it. And what does that mean? So Nicodemus (laughs) comes back, verse 4. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus isn't getting it. How can he be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? In other words, what you're saying is ridiculous. It can't even happen. It's impossible. And Jesus is saying this. Now, first of all, you know what the word born again means? Born again, there's a a parallel passage in Titus, and, and it's the word regeneration. And it means that we have been regenerated. Is it Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says, but when the kingdom of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appears, listen, He saves us, not by works of righteousness that we do, but according to His mercy. Listen, here's how it all happens. This salvation happens through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit of God that is the inner workings the behind the scene things that take place in your heart in your soul that saves you so that your name is written in the lamb's book of life to never be erased because when you're saved you're his when you've been regenerated and reconstructed it doesn't go away it's forever and ever and ever so today this morning if you were to be born again and receive Christ as Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and ain't nobody got an eraser that can take that out. Promise you that. So your sin can't keep you from God. It never did. It's your rejection of salvation that does. Do you see that? That's what it is. So it's the regeneration, because we gotta, we got to be regenerated. we got a problem. This is what we believe about salvation. This is what Jesus taught about salvation. Is it, it's not religion, it's not church, it's not, it's not the bowels, it's not the smoke, it's not the incense, it's not the cubicles, it's not the mass, it's not in these things. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's that clear. And then He goes on to say, How can this be? And so Jesus explains it. Verse five. He says it again, I assure you. Man, I'm just telling you guys, listen. This is some heavy language here. I mean, what Jesus is saying is He's saying, Come in close lay down your guard and i'm just delivering it i'm backing up the truck and dumping it right here listen to this i assure you unless someone is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god so it's the washing of the water of regeneration it's it's full of symbolism that we can we can Talk about it another time, and it's incredibly just pregnant with all kinds of biblical truth, but just understand that as a regeneration process that the Lord uses by His Spirit, He does this. So He says this, verse 5, by the born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So flat out, listen, this is it, bottom line. If (laughs) the only way to be saved is to be born again. To be born again is to be saved this is an experience you have to have. This is what we believe. We believe everybody is doomed, cursed from the inside and the outside unless they are born again. Why do we believe that? Jesus just said it. Not not a council, not a denomination. This is what Jesus says. He says it. And so he goes on. He explains a little further. So here's the means. The means of salvation is through the Spirit. So here's the reason why. So whatever is born of flesh is flesh. That's verse six. In other words, my kids are cursed sinners. They are. Got one of them here. You may not, you may not when you meet her, you think she's just an angel? No, she's not. She's a demonized brat. No, not really. <laughs> she's a born again, incredible woman of God. But because I'm a sinner like that, I'm a sinner. I can only produce sinners. That's all I can do. Isn't that Right. She's shaking her head yes. That's what she's saying. Sinner. And you know what? Her kids. Sinners. Spent all week with them. I know it. Fourth of July. You know, you don't have to teach kids to be bad. You don't. Why? Because I'm bad. And my daughter's bad. She married a bad guy. They had bad kids. They're sinners. That's right. (laughs) It's a bad family, man. There's no hope. There's no hope for me. For my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids, and the same is true about you. Because flesh begets what? Flesh. Sinners beget what? Sinners. It's the truth. That's who we are. But watch this. So what is born of the flesh is flesh, but whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7, don't be amazed that I tell you this, that you must be born again. And then he explains it. So, so being born again is a mystery. It's kind of invisible, right? It's invisible. And he does this. What I mean, Jesus, it's, it, it doesn't sound right for me to say Jesus is brilliant because he's so much, he's so glorious, but he's brilliant. Watch this. He says, so flesh begets flesh and spirit begets spirit. Don't be amazed at this. And then he uses verse eight. He said, the wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it's, it's like the wind. And so the, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, the Greek word for wind is pneuma, it's a play on words. In the English, we're not catching it, but actually he says, you gotta be born of the spirit, but you, don't, you can't see the spirit, nor can you see the wind. And it's just like that, you can only see the effects. Now, there, there is a caveat, sometimes you can see the wind. If you live in Beijing, Mexico City, New York, or Odessa, you can see the air, right? You can see it. But, but in reality, most of us, we can't ever see the wind. But what you can see is your hair blowing. And you're like, my hair is defiant. Well, some of you ladies, my hair is defined gravity. How's that happening? No, it's the wind. My tree is moving. Those are massive squirrels. No, it's the wind. That's the way it happens. How's that boat going across the ocean? It has no motor. It's the wind. The effects of the wind are there, and they're obvious. And you can experience it just like the Spirit. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. And then we have what he goes on to say. So it is with everybody who's born of the Spirit. How can these things be? Verse 9, Nicodemus' rejects. How can this be? If this is true, then I should know it. That's what you should read into it. Well, let me tell you, he indicts himself. This boy should have known it. From Genesis three fifteen, from Genesis six and the ark and the flood and all the many many things of being pictures of the salvation all through the Old Testament. This scribe, this Pharisee, should have known it. He should have zeroed in and he should have caught it. So actually, here's what's happening here. Has anybody ever been into one of those? Uh, are they called uh, escape rooms? Right? You've been in an escape room. A couple, couple of us. So escape rooms. You know what they are? You go in this room, and it's this living puzzle, if you will. And like the one I went into, we were like in a in a boat, and there was a uh, there was a nuclear bomb that's going to go off, and we had to save the world by canceling the bomb. And you had all these symbols all around this room, and all these things to look at. And 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 there's about I don't know 15 people in with us, and they they were real young. They're like these you know, young college people on this is fantastic because they're gonna go math and all this kind of stuff and, and come to find out they didn't, they, they really didn't. They, they weren't good at it. And so we were getting down to the last second and it was like 10, nine, and we're waiting for the last clue to hit the button and to cancel the bomb. And we did save the day, we did, we saved America. So you'll be glad to know that the world didn't blow for a nuclear bomb. But it was a lot of fun. But there's a little window to the side and I'm sitting there thinking there's probably some rascal on the other side watching us just going (laughs) you don't get it do you and just stumbling all through this and so in a sense there's a code here in the old testament if you will I'm not talking about the bible code I'm just talking about all these things that point to Jesus all through the bible and if your heart is wrong you'll never see it ever you have the bible says it's like having blinders on your eyes There's an Old Testament passage in the book of Ezekiel that says this. It says that we literally, that there was a time when the Lord prepared and the Lord is going to change and the Lord is going to send his spirit deep within our hearts and our hearts are going to change. And so the Old Testament has been prophesying about this. And Nicodemus coming at night, not going to a person that's not very popular, is saying, open my eyes. And Jesus is saying, look and see. And then he gives this incredible story to one of these Old Testament passages, which gives them the clue of what salvation is all about. Watch this. This is magnificent. So he said, we speak what we we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But you do not accept our testimony. Why? I mean, think of that. Why did they reject? If I told you about these things that happened on earth, you don't believe me. What about when I tell you about the things in heaven? You better start listening. Verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. In other words, the one who has the key to all of this is right in front of you. And then he says this, it's just like Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. So the son of man must be lifted up. So he doesn't even tell the whole story. He knows that Nicodemus knows it. He gives him a trigger word and he draws a line back to them. It's like he casts a net back to story of the Old Testament and brings it in, serves it up in front of Nicodemus and says, there you go. You've been wanting to see? It's been there the whole time. Now, what was the story? Here's the story. The story is God rescued Israel out of Egypt, right? They were in bondage. They had a curse on them. They had a curse around them. And he led them out of wilderness, out of the wilderness, and he brings them to the promised land. And he says, cross the Jordan and take it. And they took a vote and said, no, it's scary. There's giants. We don't want to do it, God. And God said, you are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of that bad decision. So they're wandering around. And then Aaron dies, which is really a bad deal. They're kind of scared. And all of a sudden they start complaining and they start blaspheming God. They start saying, God, we hate this food. We're tired of eating this wretched food. That's the word that's used. And God, you don't love us anymore. And God just says, I'm done with you. And he sent the worst possible thing you could send for in my mind snakes <laughs> and they're all over. And just for a sermon illustration, we let one loose in the auditorium a couple hours ago, just to, just so that you'll get the feel of what we're talking about. Right. So if you feel something, not really, but maybe, I don't know. So, so you got these snakes and they're biting people and people are dying. Okay. You get the feel it's bad. God. So when, when, They would be bitten, not only did they have the curse on them, they had the curse in them now. And so Moses goes to God and says, God, man, we repent, we are sorry, we intercede. God says this, I want you to make a bronze snake and I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to hold it up and when it's lifted up, whoever looks at it, whoever looks at it and believes will be saved. Now that is weird, right? I mean... You just got to admit, I'm getting bit by snakes. Now I got to look at a snake on a pole and by believing. So what's the point? 1500 years before Christ, that's when that scene took place. And it was a picture of the death of Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took the curse on him and in him. And Jesus fell under the wrath of God that whoever looks to him shall be saved. Right? And look at what he says. Just as the Son of Man is lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. As if to say, outside of him, no deal. Not trusting Jesus, Lord and Savior, you're stuck in your snake bit. And you're going to decay. But with him, and look at this verse, just laid there so beautifully in context. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is for you and this is for me. And this is what I stake my life on and I stake my eternity on. How about you? Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let the opinions of others. Don't think of, oh boy, what I could do without God would be incredible. It's not working for you, is it? Don't worry about what others think. Don't worry about how you feel. Here's what you need to know. You and I are dead in trespasses and sin, and we need a Savior and Jesus Christ willingly came to earth to die for your sins and my sins. And my friend, this is the marvelous, mysterious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Columbus Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.